It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 799. Special guest Nathan Chan from Founder joining us. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, shame I couldn't uh, join you in the studios just down the road. I'm in Richmond. And uh, yeah, can't move to different suburbs, can we? <laughs> well, we, we had it uh, scheduled for an in-person, which we always like, but... Uh, you know the world's turned upside down. How's it? How is it over your side of the world? As in same place, but just your side of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Just uh, it, it, weekends and weekdays blend together, and just uh, work around the clock. It's crazy. Um, founder, founder magazine. How much do you actually connect with the magazine bit? And when you see things like what's happened with Bauer Media. Where do, where do you sort of um, go to in your head? Uh, so I saw that. Um, well, look, I think I think uh, magazines, media industry, it's uh, an industry that has uh, suffered a lot. Um, and it's only, you know, it, it's only to be expected, right? Like during times like this, uh, when you rely on one source of income or one main source of income for any business, uh, it's going to be struggle town, I think, like especially advertising, um, where it's kind of like a discretionary spend for a lot of companies. It's not something that if you took it away, you know, from those companies, they're going to be like hurting. Like mm-hmm. Facebook yeah. ads is a different thing. You know, if you take Facebook away, like Facebook ads away from our company, we'll be hurting a lot. So I think, you know, advertising, media, content, uh, there's, there's not many companies out there in the media or publishing space that really, uh, you know, are building sustainable business models. So, yeah, it's been interesting. But no, it doesn't, doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, look, we're, we're just like, we're, a ma- the magazine is a small part of our business, to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the face of the business, but we have uh, many other things going on. And I see the founder brand being so much more than just a magazine or online courses, or books, or what, like all the different forms of media that, or content that we produce. When you started out, was it um, where it is today? How, how Was that in your mind when you began, or has it been a case of getting started and realizing the potential of where you can take a, a brand like Founder? So when I started, um, I had no idea that it would be where it is now and I had no idea that it would kind of morph and like you know we would change things and we'd have other mediums and all sorts of other things I just started it as a magazine as a passion hobby project like it's kind of embarrassing that I started an entrepreneurial magazine and actually didn't know anything about business or startups myself like literally (laughs) hardly anything I had no idea what I was doing it was a joke and I just kind of worked it out along the way do you think that that served you um, and what yeah. do you wish that you actually did know? Like retrospect's one of these like incredible things, right? But um, it served me a lot because I've approached it from just a lateral thinking standpoint. So, you know, you talk about advertising, we've never ever really relied on advertising because like I just looked at it and we tried it. We tried it on even for the founder podcast. I tried it on. And for the amount of money you make, it's it's pretty bad. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really shocking. Um, we tried it on for like the magazine. It's really bad, and it's a lot of work. Um, so I've always approached it that way. Just what makes sense for us. 
and uh, and just literally not knowing anything, not having any experience in this stuff, and it, it has kind of served me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think I uh, could have done things a lot faster, could be, you know, further along on the journey if, if I knew what I was doing or if I actually spoke to people that knew, that knew what they were doing and learned a lot of hard lessons, you know. I think uh, probably a consistent trait across entrepreneurs is impatience or, you know, feeling unsettled that they're not where they want to be. Is that something you've had to battle with? Yeah. And I think most of the time, the problem with that is comparing yourself to others. Um, and then also the the idea that it's never enough. Like the goalposts are always changing. Like you speak... Like I speak to like all these incredible founders all day, every day, like billionaires, multi-billionaires, like insanely smart people, insanely successful people. And you ask them like, is it ever enough? And what do you think they'll tell you? Like never is. Yeah. It's sort and of depressing. So how do you, how do you look at it? How do you, how do you switch up the mindset so you can actually, you know, live a life that's not so painful? Well, the journey is the reward and it's all about the ride. It's always trying to be present and just having fun along the way because it is never enough. And, <laughs> and actually accepting that is actually quite freeing. And it's fun to like chase towards things and accomplish incredible things. And it's like for us and, and founder as, like as, as an entrepreneurial business, but like the business itself being an entrepreneurial venture, um, it's really rewarding, you know, the amount of people that we help and serve. And, and it's really cool to create something that helps a lot of people at scale or facilitates their growth. So I think when you look at it from that perspective, um, it's not it's not depressing. It's not mm. daunting. It's not a negative thing. It just yeah, it I, is what it is. I saw um, in January uh, content as you started to work on your new office. Obviously, COVID hits. What does that do to team morale and what you had uh, planned for the year yeah that was crazy so um yeah we got this new office 500 square meters in chapel uh, just off chapel street like put a studio in there decked it out like spent a lot of money and um literally we got to spend one day in there to work when and then and then COVID hit um, and that one day was our strategy day, working out what the fuck we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. And so what's like, the, like, because uh, Tommy and I have spoken about this shit a lot where it's like, um, uh, obviously there's the advice from the government, but then there's all these other decisions that you just need to make as a business. Did you feel in that moment you were clear on what to do? Were you sort of married to the office? How, how did you resolve those uh, bigger conversations? Yeah, so um, I think when times like this happen, you need to look towards, uh, you know, your support system and have and the people in your corner. And you need to look at history, like, you know, there, there's a thing called an economic clock and it happens, you know, every 7 to 10, 11, 12 years or whatever it is. And you, you need to find out what companies did or what people did and how they handled times like this. So that was my go-to um, when it comes into context for the office. Um, you know, we, we you know, like uh, I'm still doing up, updates on it and bits and pieces. Fortunately, um, founder as a business, we've been okay. And we're, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that we haven't been hit as hard as, as local businesses. Most of our audiences in the United States were purely online play. 
there's no there's no really in-person play uh so yeah we're, we're doing okay so yeah look everyone's working from home we've been a, a fairly remote company anyways like we've got around 12 13 people in melbourne and we're hiring more at the moment and then everyone else is scattered around the world we've got an office in new york so like we we have like i think like 15 20 people remotely anyway so so for us to work remotely like we, we've had it easy compared to most businesses to be honest man like yeah when this kind of stuff happens and you're in a planning meeting or strategy meeting for a very unknown future how do you handle it as an individual what's what's your mental state in those moments what do you think um comes out does it bring the best out of you yeah so um i remember when COVID hit and uh you know found it took a hit and it was really really scary i called one of my good mates rory um he runs a company called hampers with bite and uh he was just like um because he's been, he's had business much longer than me because this is my first business for context found it's my first business we've been going for about seven years and um i i've never taken a, any hits before really we've been pretty lucky like you know been sued by one of the biggest business magazines in the states when we first opened like had other had like other you know trials and tribulations but nothing like this where it's like scary and you don't know what's going to happen to the world and um i remember i called him up and we we're just chatting for like two three hours because he's been through all these kind of things and he said man all you can do is just control the controllables because like i was watching the news and all this kind of stuff and like i found that actually quite bad for my mindset it was like really 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 just fucking with my head and i started like i was like you know what? i'm cutting all that shit out and i was like <laughs> i'm just trying to control what i can control and then i work with like my mentor one of my and now one of my coaches as well and like we just come up with the plan and then we just stick to the plan and we you know present that to the team and we work out with the team in that strategic meeting like we get buy-in and get input and then that that was the one day that we were all in the office and then we came up with that plan and then we executed and then we've we've thankfully been okay but um after that it was like a real rise like it was like a, a call to action like a call to the adventure so for me i was working 18 hour days working around the clock i said to my fiance emily like i just gotta like just just like make sure we're okay so i just went crazy and like um worked yeah probably some of the hardest i've worked in a long time and uh, now now we're okay and and a lot of businesses are, are on the you know recovery uh, thankfully and um yeah mindset wise uh i found it quite exhilarating which is kind of weird but um yeah just that grind it reminded me of old days founder like just waking up working all day every day and then going to sleep then working all day every day like that was some of the funnest times believe it or not when i first started founder back in my parents basement like it was just the best like it was actually really fun like just working because i just love what i do so much for me um, I think people find that surprising. They're like, you know, do you want to sell founder or like, you know, what's your exit strategy? Or like, you know, they think like we just want to make all this money. Yeah, we want to grow. And yeah, like, you know, there's like rewards behind all that. But for me, I just want to do work that I'm passionate about. And I think you never work a day in your life if you love what you do. And that's like the ethos of the brand. That's the ethos of everyone we employ. That's the ethos of, you know, like, what we're trying to do is like really help people 
you know, start and grow businesses. And, you know, ideally it's a business that you love. And I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's what my mindset was like. It's yeah. Oh, I rambled too much. Sorry. Man. <laughs> no, you're good. What was the uh, controllables? Uh, the amount of people that sign up to one of our masterclasses, the amount of people that come to our, like, you know, that we can kind of engage with in some way, shape or form, uh, the amount of staff that we hire or have, or, uh, you know, all those kinds of things, um, what we are focusing on. I think that's a key thing, right? Like when you look at businesses, uh, a lot of the time it's about, like businesses that are growing, it's like the ones that are focused. So we just focused on more higher profit products, like just just all the things that I can control, not the external things coming at me. Like, you know, uh, I remember I was even getting on the phone speaking to prospects and we never do any of that stuff. I was getting on the phone and I was speaking to people and like, you know, like just hearing like how scared people are like, you know, but there's, you know, always like in any business or any market, even in a down market, there's, there, you know, there, there's ways to grow. And uh, there's this incredible book that I read, which I highly recommend for anyone that has a business called Great by Choice by Jim Collins. And uh, he studies all the companies, all these successful companies that grew during a recession. And there's a lot of incredible principles in that book that um, uh, we've been trying to follow, which we are following. It's It's been game-changing for us. But yeah, those are the controllables. Like, what content we want to put out, what products we want to launch, what products we want to focus on pushing, you know, how much ads we want, like how much we want to spend in ads, who do we want to hire, who do we want to let go, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, you speak to a lot of, uh, I guess you could say successful, definitely successful from a metric standpoint, um, individuals from all across the world. Have you found from talking to these people that it's clouded what you think of success because I feel like, uh, these successful people, they're contagious. You're like, oh, wow, look at what they've got or look at what they've created. Have you had to steer it back to, no, I, this is what Nathan wants, this is what founder is after versus other people's version of success bleeding into it? Hmm. It just depends. It depends, like, I think one thing I definitely do know is... um majority of the people that we speak to are extremely humble so they're not as arrogant or all these different things that someone might think of someone that's achieved a, a certain amount of success and i think that that's part of it like for for a lot of people is um yeah just that humility um but then you know there's some people that have an agenda um which, you know, a lot of the time, so do we, right? Like, you know, the reason that we're speaking to those people is because they're looking for press. Um, so they want to talk about a certain thing. Uh, but, yeah, look, there's one thing that I do find interesting that, that you, you guys might, uh, but you guys speak to a lot of successful people as well. Like I know you interviewed like Seth Godin and stuff. It's like a lot of these people are all human beings and it's it's often that we put these people up on pedestals, but... You know, they all stand on the same, you know, rock hard, solid ground. They all bleed like all of like we're just human beings. Right. And, um, you know, the, the thing that is different between them and perhaps us uh, or, you know, you know, everyday people uh, is is really that, you know, they had a you know great team and people behind them. They had, you know, just relentless, just 
thirst and hunger and they just wanted it bad enough and they were lucky as well right some people great timing you know i didn't know four years ago that um you know when we started to get into this online courses thing that uh, you know everyone was going to be at home and online education is just booming right now mm -hmm. like i just didn't know right like so, so you make your own luck but at the same time yeah these these are people that have just been at it for a long time man like you know to, to build anything of true worth and significance it takes like seven to ten years and that's why i really love and respect what you guys are doing right you got that discipline i was saying offline <laughs> like you guys just go on every single day and it compounds like that's how we you know that's how we built a large-scale instagram account with like over two million followers like we posted every single day like the one day we didn't post because of the black lives matter tile that actually destroyed us like we were losing followers for like over a month because we told instagram that you know like we're not posting content anymore so like consistency is where it's at uh, how do you communicate your vision to a team um just do it often like <laughs> i think um it has to come from within and it, it has to come from a place of i guess giving I think that's really, really important. It can't be selfless. And I think it's got to be, you know, it's got to be a problem or something that you're really, really passionate about. And you've got to, you've got to be thinking big. Mm -hmm. But yeah, how do you? I think you do it like when it matters or when it links back to why somebody should have done something or perhaps why it's not part of like, you know, getting us towards that vision um one thing that we do at founders we have like a, a weekly strategic meeting which is called a, a, a traffic light meeting where we analyze what our goals are for the quarter and what our goals are for the year and how we're going to bring like our big long-term vision to life um but i think it's i don't know it's, it's a difficult question to ask like how do you communicate your vision to your team i think it's just something that you should speak about often i should speak about it more um and it's just uh yeah when it feels like you know it, it's around the purpose and the reason mm -hmm. that we do the work we do did you think that uh with the with all covid uh, it's fucking annoying that we always end up speaking about covid but it seems like it's such a massive thing in in our life right now uh communicating to the team around we're moving to the office and the hopes and the dreams and speaking to a videographer and saying so this is like get ready for for game day this is when you're going to shine and pumping everyone up how do you then have the conversation when so much of the narrative is built into something that can't be anymore do you have any thoughts or sort of mechanisms to be able to re-communicate when there has been such a big shift yeah so look i think one thing that is important is during any hard times or if you say something like one of our values at founder is like uh, determined to deliver and we do what we say we're going to do because i think that's a good philosophy to have in life like i said i'd be here for this interview i'm here right mm -hmm. like um and i think uh you know anytime you can't do something or you know something's changed or like you know, we're going to move into this whiz-bang crazy office and we can't, just got to say hello to the elephant in the room. Um, and, you know, like, you know, I've like last year we made some calls. We didn't have the growth we were looking for. 
and you know you have to be prepared to to show that vulnerability and say hello to the elephant in the room and say you know what guys like i made some calls that didn't pay off and that's on me and i'll own it as a leader um i think that's all you can do right just like uh you're just just hardcore ownership is is that uh would you say how you how you deal with failure as in yep. you know if you're a business owner it's about what you do with it when it comes yeah so i think um i'm a big fan of like like taking ownership of things and um you know taking like responsibility for for any outcome even if it's out of your control um and just owning it i think that the sooner that you can do that i know that might sound a little savage like i'm talking in a business sense mm -hmm. right let's just keep this in a business context um i think yeah when you can do that then you can just move on and learn from it right like um i'm just a really big fan of just like keep moving take ownership learn from it what have i learned from it make sure i don't do it again and just yeah keep moving um uh, when it comes to failure though i actually do try really hard to avoid failure i know a lot of people um say they shouldn't fear failure i actually do and i think most people say they don't or if they act if they, if they are fearless are lying to you i think everyone of, like has a fear of failure at some in some way shape or form but um one thing i always try and do and i'm massive on this is learning from people that have done it like like as an example you guys want to build a big scale podcast and you want to know how to do that right and i saw you tracking your downloads and stuff right like i would want to make sure i speak to like the the biggest podcasters out there to make sure that that they've like you know any future problems that i might face i can get that insight because then i can like you know f like not have these like failures all the time and i think having that guidance and having a good source of advice is so game-changing when it comes to avoiding failures and also tackling them if they happen mm. to learn from them you mentioned um a mentor and you have a coach before is that something that you invest in and and yep. how often do you have these yep. catch-ups 110 percent. so so many people they say like oh yeah i want a mentor um but then they expect someone to just donate their time for free when they're probably they obviously have something you want and it's obviously valuable the knowledge that they have um and it's going to take time and they would be losing something from giving you their time so um yeah i i happily invest in mentors i have a coach who i spend a lot of money with every single month and i catch up with him every week um and he's somebody that's actually built a big business himself um and then i have another like i have many mentors uh, that I speak to all the time. I'm looking for another one, a domain expertise mentor who's built a large-scale publishing business. Um, Josh, is that you, mate? Mm -hmm. Like as in domain names? <laughs> no, no, He's got no, a no, large domain. portfolio. <laughs> oh. Yeah, what do you want? I've got a few domain names. <laughs> and and no, so yeah, yeah. with your coach that you catch up with once a week, what, is, mm. what does the session look like? And and what do you what is the thing that you think he does really well that works for you? Yeah, so... I've found when it comes to mentorship, there's kind of two kinds. Like if let's just say, let's just say in anything, 
right? Like, they, they, let's just take business out, the concept of business out of it, just anything. If you want to, what, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to achieve some form of mastery or some form of a goal or both, right? So when it comes to uh, coaching or mentorship for whatever that goal is or whatever that business is or whatever, you know, like mastery that you want to achieve, you've got to have someone that keeps you accountable, and you've got to have someone that keeps pushing you along and guiding you along the way. But then you've got to have someone. So that so that's Steve for me. Steve is my coach, but also a mentor. But he's I catch up with him every single week, and uh, we look at our annual plan. Are we on track for our annual plan? Because we've broken it down by the quarter, and then we look at our weekly plan as well. Is that financials, so we, or what? What does the plan everything. look like? Everything. Everything. Team content, uh, amount of people we serve, the amount of students, uh, revenue, like finances, everything. We break it all down. So we use this traffic light system. So what we do, right, is this is the way that, that uh, I've always focused on growing founder is we have what is called a, a traffic light system. And is this, this from is, a book or something or like who developed yeah, it? Yeah, it's a concept, a concept yeah. uh, from a book called Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's quite a common practice. And uh, basically, all the key functions of every department of founder, uh, we you know we set goals for them, and then we have an overall revenue goal and target for student enrollments, impact, etc. And that's our annual target. And then we break it down by the quarter, and then we break it down by the week. So remember when I talked about like how often do I communicate the founder vision, and we check in of how we're tracking and all that kind of stuff. That was that weekly meeting. So when I catch up with Steve every week, he's going through. He's like. How's this going? How's this going? How's this going? How's this person performing? Oh, like, you know, and he's just coaching me. Like he, he's giving me CEO and leadership coaching, but then he's also kind of coaching me through problems and how to solve certain things. And, you know, maybe this isn't jiving or like, you know, we've got a problem here or like, you know, where should we allocate, you know, funds or budget here or what do we do to solve that? So, so that's what that one looks like. And then, yeah, the other, you know, so he keeps me accountable and he's always pushing me and he's teaching me how to be a great CEO and that's one kind of coach uh, or mentor. And then the other one is that I'm looking for and I have had before is someone that is domain specific. So Steve hasn't built a large scale online education company. He hasn't built a large scale media or publishing company. So I need to find someone that has. And so uh, when you started, you, know, you put two grand on a credit card, you, you back yourself. Uh, when, it, when it's just you, risk is easy because you die on your own sword. I guess when you have a, a team or you're working with a group, uh, risk can be seen differently. How do you navigate risk now that you have a team? Yeah, so... Um it's so funny you say that because I, I feel, maybe it's because I'm here now, but mm-hmm. I feel there's so much more risk um, doing what we do now versus starting with two grand on the back of a credit card because, like, this is so much more on your shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we have multiple offices we've got to upkeep. Oh, yeah, like, it's massive. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. 30, it's people, it's like, the, yeah. the buy-in that you have to – the two grand is nothing, right? Like, but, but if you're – I'm guessing as you go – bigger then you're taking on okay a six-figure lease or saying i'm going to put uh, cash into this content or whatever it is where you haven't yeah. seen the results yet so what is the process in identifying the, yeah or not yeah so it is mitigating that risk for you 
Yeah, so I'm um yeah, so sorry to interrupt. Um, no, you're good. so I I uh hate risk and I'm always looking to mitigate however I can. Uh the two things that I think about, um the first one is cash flow reserves and uh you know Jim Collins talks about this in his book, Great by Choice, which he refers to as oxygen in the tank. Um, so I'm always trying to maintain like a really healthy amount of cash flow reserves. Ideally, you want to have at least six months worth of operating expenses. So if your business wasn't uh, bringing in anything, you could survive for six months. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, which we're starting to work on more than ever now as founder, is recurring revenue. I really like the idea of not signing somebody up or selling a product and then that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where the facilitation of value creation just stops. I like the idea of... uh, you know, having a subscription base, it's it yields predictability and having mm-hmm. a big subscription base. So they're the two things that I'm doing to manage risk. And then as well, it comes with confidence. Like I remember like three, four years ago, I was like so scared to hire anyone. And then you just slowly build up and there's levels, right? And um, yeah, like imagine having a hundred people, a thousand, you know, that'd be scary. <laughs> the, in terms of uh, what, what the scariness was was it what you thought it was or it was it just something that was appearing that might not have necessarily been real um no it wasn't as scary definitely wasn't scary as well as thought it was and i think i the way i've always operated is i put myself in positions where i just don't have a choice but to just get it done like we gotta hire a lot of people this quarter and like it's kind of scary that thought of like how much that's going to cost but i don't really have a choice because we got so many things we got to do like you know other people in the team are hurting like we promised these resources we just got to get it done and then just work it out and yeah you mentioned thinking big earlier uh it's something i feel like you watch someone like grant cardone 10x 10x everything he probably 10x his dinner Cash is trash. Um, you see a guy like that who is just thinking big. I mean, what's thinking big? Did you guys ever big? see my interview with him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. did he? Yeah. Did he ask you how much money you had in the bank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. What did you <laughs> so, say? Because you didn't. So, this is a good one. Uh, this is a really good one, right? We actually took that interview down. Oh, really? Took that interview down. Yeah. The reason is just because like he's a quite a controversial character, um, mm. and I don't really want I don't really want to be associated with him, but. Um, is it true you flew on his jet public. or is that no, – no. <laughs> It's a rumor, but joking. Isn't joke. that funny? Like he was like, oh, you know, you got like if you've got all this money in the bank, why don't you spend it and stuff? And, yeah. um, you know, then COVID hit. I'm fucking glad we did. <laughs> right? yeah. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to thinking big, look, I have a lot of respect for like what Grant's done. You know, love him or hate him. He's a very successful guy. Um like yeah, he, like it was. It was a crazy interview. It was a good laugh. Um, I didn't expect him to kind of uh, you know challenge me like that. But um, yeah, when it comes to thinking big, I've found personally that uh, that's an American thing. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have picked that up, but mm-hmm. in America, people just think like a hundred x bigger compared to Australia. And 
I'm fortunate that I get to speak to a lot of people from America and stuff like that. And I speak to all these insanely successful founders and it rubs off on me. Um, and that I think, you know, when it comes to thinking big, I think it comes back to mindset as well. Like, let's just say, as an example, somebody wants to, you know, build a company that's a million dollar company, right? You want to make a million dollars in revenue a year. Cash is um, trash. <laughs> yeah, cash is trash. You got to put in property, but let's just say you want to hit that, right? Let's just say you want to hit that. I think if you've already done that in your mind, and, and because inherently you're thinking big, like if you've inherently already done that in your mind, then half the battle is won. Maybe even 75% of the battle is won, right? So that's why I'm a really big fan of thinking big and dreaming big. And it's just kind of our like a part of like entrepreneurial ethos. You look at someone like Elon Musk, like in the new office, we got this mural painted, we got this mural painted of, of Elon. It's so awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, you, he's just such, such an exceptional person, like the way that he thinks, like to want to take people to Mars, right? Mm. Or like, he's thinking think big. So that's the, yeah. that's the epitome of thinking big, right? And so, what, so when it comes to Australia, maybe it's the size of the country. I mean, we have such a small, minute uh, um, scale of people here compared to the US. What do you think it is about why Australians might not think big like the Americans do? I think uh, definitely tall poppy syndrome exists. Maybe not as much. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm a victim of it by any means. Um, but I think that definitely exists. Uh, and I think um, this concept of the American dream is much more prominent in America versus Australia. Um, and you have to remember as well, you look at places like, you know, these clusters like Silicon Valley, that's where all the big successful companies are coming out of, like big tech startups anyways, mm -hmm. like mainly. And it's just like, it's just in the culture more, I think. Um, I don't know why, but yeah, uh, you know, yeah. It feels like there's there. a bit of individualism there or like there's definitely the celebration of yeah. the unique individual mm. uh, entrepreneur uh, yeah. having spent so much too. yeah definitely I mean spending so much time researching and speaking to founders what have you worked out to be the bullshit that everyone's worrying about versus what actually makes a difference when it comes to having a, a successful company mm. from from your everyday person's side or like the family Yeah, I think side? like there's the obvious, like you hear people talking, like they don't talk small business anymore. They talk startup. They're no longer a small business owner. They're a founder. People are looking at venture capitalists and angel investors and all of the oh, stuff yeah. that I guess is um, a bit rah-rah. And I think that in some ways, like using one example would be Richard, like Rich, the Richard Branson example. I remember saying to Tommy um, – ages ago when we started where I would like to consume the stories of those people who are making their first million or two million like the the pipe dream is great for a um an overarching mindset shift but to actually um I feel like for us to be successful it's like you need to be working out how to make one dollar then you know ten dollars then a hundred dollars what are those bits do you think when people are getting started that for one they get distracted by 
and two, the, the things you think they should actually be focusing on. Yeah. So look, there's no doubt about it that entrepreneurship is the new cool mm-hmm. or like doing a side hustle or something on the side or wanting to start a business is the new cool. And I think a lot of people get caught up in that. Um, and I think a lot of people get obsessed with the idea and not the problem. Um, like, Did you my, ever think that yeah. you got there or like is it easy to – especially day-to-day being in it, have you had to check yourself to make sure that you don't buy into the rah-rah? Yeah, of course. Yeah, like when people are telling you all day, every day, like, you know, how good your company is, how big it is, or like how fast you're growing and all that kind of stuff, like it's really hard. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you start to believe that trash. Like, you yeah. got to really try and, you know, that's why, you know, my mum's really good keeping me humble and stuff or trying to and like, yeah, stuff like that. It's really important, but... Yeah, I think coming back to it, man, I think um, a lot of the time, uh, I think it's about the problem you're solving. And I think if people spent more time on the problem they're solving and and just being realistic, like, you know, a lot of people that have these crazy ideas, like they want to create like a social media network, or like just silly stuff, like just being realistic, like how can you just find like something simple to solve? Like I'll give you an example. So this is my uh, partner, Emily's company, and it's called Healthish. And uh, it's a Is this a live read? Yeah, 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 this <laughs> is an integration. On, this is the best integration <laughs> we've ever had. Yeah, so... <laughs> Seamless. The reason, I, the reason I tell you guys this, because I think it's a really good example of a great business. Mm-hmm. So there's time indicators for the first half of the day on when you should drink, and there's time indicators on the second half of the day on when you should drink. So if you fill this up two times a day, that's two liters. It's a one liter water bottle. And they say you should drink two liters of water a day. So this solves the problem of helping people like drink more water. And it's just got daily reminders on the bottle. Like such a simple idea, but such a painkiller problem. Um, So what was the problem that you were solving when you set out for founder? What was the problem? And then... Because I think that people think about their internal problems. For you, it's like, I fucking hate my job. I'm a support IT worker. I don't want to be here. There's that problem. So some people just start businesses based off that. How do you go into the problem of the customer? See, what's interesting with me, and I'll be honest, is when I started Founder, it was just for fun, and I didn't think about the problem. Mm -hmm. But I did want to find work that I was passionate about, and I did know that there wasn't any magazines or content out there that I could really relate to where it was really in depth. It was really actionable. It was really strategical. And you know, like it wasn't so much like Warren Buffett or like the top 100 billionaires. It was more real. Mm -hmm. And that's what I started with. And then as I went out there along the way, I found some really key problems to solve. And then what are they now? Brand. Well, the biggest problem right now that we're trying to solve at Founder is like, how do we bring, you know, just next level entrepreneurial content to people that actually shows you how to start or grow a business, whether that's in the form of online courses or whether that's in the form of a podcast or a video. So if you watch our content or read our content or do one of our courses, it will really solve that problem taught by people that have actually done it. Mm-hmm. There's so much rubbish out there right now where so so many people are an expert or quote unquote guru or like it's just like it's just so bad so that's the problem we're trying to solve 
is how do we really, really truly help someone start or grow their business on any topic? So if we actually produce a blog post on, as an example, how to grow your Instagram following, it'll probably be the best blog post you've ever read and actually breaks down how to exactly do it. And if people like, you know, think, okay, well, maybe, maybe like, you know, that's not enough for me. I want my hand held a little more through the process. Then, you know, we have a free masterclass or like we have a, you know, a whole online course, how to do it. But that, that is in essence, everything that we're trying to do a founder. Where do you think small businesses are not seeing as a, a, an area to play in? So it could be, you know, keeping a, um, a mailing list. Is there one thing that you'd sort of suggest from the conversations you've had with entrepreneurs that you think small business owners starting out are missing? It's tricky when you say small business. Um, I think I think a lot of the time, from my experience, people, once they do start their business or they have a business and it's going and they're making sales, I think one thing they never really nail is their selling system. Like, I think that's just something that so many small business owners struggle with is how to sell their product or their service. How do they get more clients? How do they get more customers? And there's this incredible book that I've read that I recommend called Ready, Fire, Aim, where it talks about how to go from zero to 100 million. And it breaks down all the different stages. And uh, one of the things that it talks about is when you want to go from the zero to one million phase or wherever it is, like you just want to get your business in the, you know, you want to hit your goals or you want to take it to the next level. Um, it always talk, it, it talks about, you know, working out what your selling system is. So whether that's, you know, if let's just say as an example, you're a graphic designer, like how do you get prospects? How do you get people on the phone? Are you getting them on the phone? Like, do you send proposals? Do you do webinars? Like what, whatever it is, like, do you go door to door? Do you send pamphlets? Do you send brochures? Like you need to find one way to consistently get somebody that becomes a customer like whether it's every day, whether it's every week, whether it's every month, like you need to have a system that's predictable and that you, if you just keep doing it, you'll grow. Are you and good think, at sales? Yeah. Uh, I think I've grown to be decent at it because I've had to. Um, I think I'm much better at marketing than selling. I've had no professional sales training uh yeah, and so I, with I the the, the though, early yeah. days of the magazine, are you um like I could imagine it being similar to podcasting, where you can we can focus on a lot of metrics in podcasting that doesn't actually bring us any closer to cash. We can do a great marketing thing. We can look like top dogs, but we can be have no cash. And so, how do you um transition founder, or was there a pivotal moment where you're like actually? Um, so, for instance, the uh, the charts or magazines or the search engine optimization, being able to rank highly for those things, yep. was that actually making you money, or or yep. was there something else that 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 triggered it? Yeah. So, I did two things in the early days, or three things that that allowed me to grow founder in the early days that got me through. Um, the first thing was the Richard Branson edition. I made that free. So instead of charging for it, 
I gave it away for free and I made that kind of the loss leader. And also that's what really helped develop the founder brand and really legitimize the brand as an entrepreneurial player. In was it in an ecosystem? Source. Was it on like Apple or like were yeah. you, you hear about people like um, going to that event where there's um, Gary Vee and Grant Cardone, there's Amazon specialists and stuff like that. Did you see yourself playing in a specific ecosystem at that point? No, no. It was literally like... I just wonder, like, for me, and I know it might be hard to understand or believe, but, like, no, I wanted a job in marketing. No one would give me a job, and I just wanted to find work that I was passionate about. The first edition of the magazine I launched, we made $5.50, and I just fell in love with the process, and it was so much fun, and it was quite addictive. Um, like, you know, your first sale for anything is <laughs> just, like, it's next level, that feeling. And you just just want to grow, right? And I was like, I want to do this all day, every day, right? I and want so that freedom. The Richard Branson, that was your loss leader. Sorry, I butted yeah. in. So yeah, what what were the other areas? Yeah, so yeah, sorry, just come back to it. Yeah, Richard Branson was the loss leader that helped. And then the second thing was app store optimization, which I think you're alluding to. Mm -hmm. I worked out how to rank on all of the top key terms for any top business magazines like Forbes, Fast Company, Entrepreneur. And then the last thing was like I was consistent. Like I, I just like kept putting out a new magazine and that's, that's the thing, right? It just compounded. And I spoke as well. I spoke to other successful digital magazine owners that had a much bigger subscriber and readership than we did at the time right so these are the things that like i did to just take it to the next level and that recurring revenue was a game changer recurring revenue i'm a big big fan big mm -hmm. big fan of recurring revenue because i could just see it going up every single month first month it was 40 dollars. next month it was like a few hundred dollars next month it was a few hundred more and it just kept going up so yeah i i think especially during now today's climate some sort of membership recurring subscription offering yeah i really like that mate thank you so much for your time dude it's uh ah. it's been great to finally connect it's it's good when there's um good eggs coming out of melbourne it's a great city yeah oh, thanks yeah no thanks so much for having me guys like i said i love the work and uh yeah just keep putting in the time and uh yeah have to catch up soon if there's anything i can do to help please do let me know Definitely. Uh, yeah, from my side, I've been following, I feel like for a long time, I used to work at Invato and uh, I remember uh, you being in there visiting and um, yeah, it's it's great to see the amount of growth that you've had. I think that we fetishize growth or we sort of give it a lot of um, weight, but there is also the personal growth in being able to work out how to take the passion that you're talking about, that feeling of like being on the train and being like, fuck it. Like there, that's a huge gap between that and what you've built today. So it's super inspiring. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. And yeah, like I said, really, really love what you're doing. If there's anything I can do to help, please do let me know. Thanks, Nathan. It's thanks. the Daily Talk Show. See you tomorrow, guys. Have a good one. See you guys.